I forget where I was going before I made the stupid joke. Um, oh, you're so funny. You forgot what you were going to say. What was I talking about? Cast iron brains, a podcast that doesn't care for any of a great number of cliches, but has particular disdain for the colloquial definition of insanity that is trotted out 50 times an hour by very wise morons everywhere, that insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. First of all, this is not insanity. It is merely stupidity in most contexts, and also sort of just the scientific method in many other contexts. It is perfectly rational to do the same thing over and over again and see if the results change, see if you are dealing with rules or laws or just coincidence. In 2015 and 2016, the cable news networks bent over backwards to give candidate Donald Trump as much coverage as they possibly could. Shots of empty tarmacs, cameras pointed to the sky awaiting the Trump plane. Every speech covered in full, every tweet read live and analyzed and gushed over. They gave him more free press than anyone in history. And afterwards, after we had made him the president of the United States, they said about all that coverage they did... Maybe that was bad? We should learn from that. Something. What, exactly? Unclear. But let's learn something. So, watching the coverage today, watching the wall-to-wall cable news coverage of the front door of Trump Tower for hours, and then the motorcade as he made his way four miles across town to the courthouse, and then the hallway outside the courtroom after he went inside, I didn't think about the definition of insanity, but I did worry that we might be experiencing a Vonnegut-esque timequake in which we had all suddenly jumped back some number of years and had to watch in terror as we all made the same stupid choices again, prisoners of everything we had chosen to do before, witnessing the same stupid things happen again and again as we make the least curious, least good, least interested person on the planet the very center of our collective attention and hope things turn out different this time. But they won't. In a timequake... They can't, until hopefully we are shaken awake, told that we are sentient once again, that we were sick, but we're well again, and there's work to do. My name is Bob, sitting across the way from my good friend and co-host, that's Abe. How you doing tonight, Abe? Doing well, Bob. Yeah, here we are. Lori's here too, how you doing tonight, Lori? No, I'm... Lori's nyang. Tonight is Tuesday, April 4th, 2023. We bumped back our podcast recording last night because of the big news that was going to happen today. Trump's arrest and arraignment over the indictment as brought by, what is it, Galvin Bragg in like Manhattan, Manhattan there? Yeah, yeah. Just in case shit got wild and we didn't want to have to like do a back-to-back emergency podcast, as obviously we are wont to do, is all those emergency pods that we have in the... 
And besides, there was a uh, there was a big basketball game on last night, right? Oh, Which that's I right. Think, UConn. I'm sure After we all, all the... watched. Uh, we didn't watch it. No, didn't watch. Uh, I watched we like watched baseball. four seconds. Watched the Braves game instead. And it was actually funny. Before going to bed last night, I looked at my phone and I had gotten a text from Mark Gillig, the uh, composer of the show's opening and closing themes. UConn alum. Yeah, UConn alum, uh, Jerry. And that's not like the UConn trail for the people who listen that don't know. Right. The university, the letter U right. of Connecticut. Not the uh, not the vast <laughs> expanse misleading. of ice and snow in Canada, but instead the University of Connecticut. One of the few schools with a good shortening that's not just the letters of their school, right? Like you know, UVA or UGA, but right. UConn. Like it, it works. It's it's clever. That is I like true. It. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I didn't even realize that the championship game was going on. Until I looked at my phone and saw that I had a text from Mark Gillig, who texted me at some point, insurmountable lead, game over. <laughs> and I was like, is he watching the Braves game? Like, yeah. is he? What? Wait, is Gillig doesn't text me about the Braves? What? Yeah. Oh, oh, the basketball game was on the tonight. The national That's what championship that was game. About. Yeah. I'd gotten a uh, further text uh, last week from the Thousand Man Jerry who said that you should just let your kids become UConn basketball fans. And I texted back, gross. And he said he gave a, a, a lengthy defense of UConn as an institution and as an athletic endeavor and, oh, and all Jerry, of that. We can't. And I said, no, Jerry, basketball is the gross thing. Not, not, <laughs> not, not, not rooting for UConn. Also, like, who cares? No, we're, we're just not going to make them basketball we're fans. We're not going to make them basketball fans because it's impossible. But also, we live in Charlottesville. Like, there, yeah. there is no... Why are you a UConn fan from a UVA fan? It's like, oh, because my dad's friend wanted me to be. <laughs> like, the, you don't get to defend that here. Right. Anyway, UConn runs away with it. Apparently kind of a boring game that got close for like a minute with like five minutes to go. Uh, got within five points and then San Diego State folded and UConn wins, what is that, their fifth men's title? Something like that? Apparently, right? yeah, number five. That's a lot for a school that's not UCLA or Kentucky or UNC or something, right? Right, that is a lot. Uh, so congratulations to all the happy people in our audience. Uh, Mark and Thousand Man Jerry, both of you, big UConn people. Uh, the world did not fall apart. There were not, well, I mean, a couple of hundred people maybe in total on the streets. If you eliminate all media from the <laughs> equation, then there were just way fewer people than usual on the streets of New York yeah. than you would uh, expect to see just walking about out in the world. And obviously, as you can tell from my open there, I'm a bit perhaps less than a bit ambivalent about the whole thing, uh, bordering on angry about the sort of coverage that I witnessed today. Were you expecting more than what came out? You know, because like this is, a lot of this stuff was kind of like leaked through the press over the last week or two, right? Like it ended up being 30-something counts of the same thing, basically. Right, 34 and, felony counts that are really just one thing, which is that right. he continued to write checks to Michael Cohen in right. order to pay him back for the hush money payment to Stormy Daniels. They call that 34 separate felony counts, which is like the fact that like if you told me ahead of time it's 34 felony counts, I would have said, oh, wow, there must be a lot more here than we have so far heard. There, This must right. involve some of the tax stuff. There must be some 
new information that we have not yet found out about, but instead it's just the Stormy Daniels stuff and the fact and that he like was... And like another woman and like some doorman who was trying right, to shake right. him down. But he's yeah. just... All it is is Michael Cohen, his fixer, who yeah. would make payments out in order to catch and kill stories. Uh, it's just him then paying that paying Cohen back instead of for legal services. What he's really doing is paying off the debt that he owes Michael Cohen for being the person who's in charge of distributing these funds to the various people that he's trying to keep quiet, which is not illegal, by the way. The part that's illegal is the part where he says, this is a business expense. These are these are legal fees going to my attorney through the Trump organization rather than just coming out of Trump's uh, own personal checkbook himself, which then becomes wound into this uh, campaign donation, essentially, if they can prove that he was doing this to stop it from becoming an election issue, right? Yeah, and, and uh, th- there seems to be a lot of stacking of charges to make it seem bigger than it is. And I imagine that's done for impact, right? Because if you're not paying any attention and you wake up tomorrow and you look at the news about what happened on Tuesday, you would hear 34 counts of a felony, upwards of 100 and plus years, you know, if you do the stupid, you know, implausible stacking of of sentences. Yes. If he's he's not going to serve these very minor (laughs) class E felonies concurrently, and yeah. instead somehow is sentenced to back-to-back felony convictions where he has to serve them each one after another consecutively, then he could be in jail for the next 136 years. Oh, right. yeah? Yeah. Do we think that is anywhere within the realm of uh, human possibility? Right. It, it, it's done just so it can have like, wow, this must be serious. And it seems like that kind of undermines, like the more you look into it, you're like, well, wait a minute. This is all about this one thing from seven years ago. There was some... This uh, one thing that on its own doesn't matter is not a crime, right? Right. That that and, just, right. just the thing itself, there is no crime in paying somebody a pile of money. A fairly modest pile of money, by the way, if you are a billionaire and you don't want your wife to find out that you in all likelihood paid Stormy Daniels to sleep with you, right? right. Like like to me what was it? $130,000 was the Stormy payment, something yeah. along those lines, 130 right? 130 for her, 150 for the other one, and then 30,000 for the doormat. Right. In terms of as a percentage of his alleged net worth, not that big a deal uh, relative to like uh, like price per sexual act, quite high. Right. Uh, but on any scale that I have uh, previously been aware of. Uh, Not that they keep track of that sort of thing. <laughs> right. Uh, I haven't wanted to talk about this up until now, knowing, of course, that it would all crest and we would sort of be forced to talk about it. Uh, but I have I have been less than even remotely interested in talking about it. And I, I couldn't even really figure out why, because obviously it's a big, important deal that a former president has been criminally indicted by a, a state supreme or at a state supreme court by a state district attorney. Like obviously, that's a tremendously important development, but also it just feels like of such a piece with everything that has come before since 2015, and it has allowed everyone in public life to perform the exact same reaction, the exact same hysterics that they've been performing since 2015, no matter what side you're on, whether you're a a committed anti-Trump Democrat or anti-Trump Republican, or you're a committed Trump partisan, it is just 
precisely more of the same of what we've seen over and over again through countless news cycles over the last eight years. And I, I'm just, I have no interest in engaging with it whatsoever. One, uh, one thing that uh, caught my eye when I was watching the coverage, like after the whole thing was done, uh, I was listening and, and somebody characterizes the, uh, basically what they're doing is that they're bundling like one case that they're trying to prove, which is he broke some sort of election law with a uncharged, some other thing to make it into a felony, right? So like the money plus the reason makes it a felony. And the way somebody characterized as one of these lawyers that they bring on was that this is treated as a untested legal theory that can you actually do that? Like, cause he wasn't charged with the other thing. Uh, he wasn't Kevin, charged with breaking federal election law right. by the people who can charge him with breaking federal election law, right? Right. The Justice Department has determined that this is not a case worth pursuing. Now, like, I get it. I get the gut instinct to want to humiliate Trump. And no matter what he says about it, I don't know what he's saying tonight. In fact, I think we're going to go uh, live look in right now at what Trump is saying as he speaks in... Florida. He flew back from New York City. <laughs> and we're just going to get a quick live look in at what he's saying in Florida. All right, that's the former president <laughs> uh, speaking in Florida tonight after he was arraigned in New York. I don't know. That was Katie as a baby, actually. Yes, also uh, sounded a great deal like our daughter when she was an she infant. Was a baby. Anyway, I get the instinct to want to humiliate him, right? I, and I, I think that no matter what he says tonight or what he said <laughs> leading up to it, this is humiliating for him in a personal way that a lot of the other stuff has not been. It sucks to get arrested and to go before a uh, judge, even if you think that the whole thing's a fraud, it doesn't feel good. And he's never experienced that before, despite sort of constantly skirting the knife's edge of what is technically legal and just barely avoiding a whole host of uh, legal trouble throughout his entire career. He's a fucking fraud. Of course, he's been living on an edge. Uh, but I just don't see what the virtue is if, if we're going to talk about this in terms of consequences and watching Alvin Bragg today, watching his press conference at four o'clock where he just kept harping on this idea that, uh, you know, in Manhattan, we're the we're the financial center of the entire universe. And it's important that we prosecute business crimes and uh, falsifying business documents. That's our bread and butter here in Manhattan. That's what we do better than anybody else in the world. It's like, you've got to be fucking kidding me, man. Right. You can't indict yeah. a former president because he lied about uh, the various ways he was arranging hush money for the porn star he was banging. Like the federal, the, the, the feds already decided that this was not worth pursuing, perhaps in no small part because of the deranging effect that it has on the entire system, right? And I don't right. think that can be overstated. We don't know what the long-term consequences are going to be, but fucking God forbid Donald Trump is the president again. Is there any doubt that he's going to weaponize the various agencies that are at his disposal in a way in the same way that this has been done? Is there any so the the line that you keep hearing on cable news on the Fox side and I even saw it on CNN a couple of times today from the less obviously uh, left-leaning partisans that they have on, was this idea that 
there's no way in hell that anybody else not named Donald Trump would be prosecuted for these offenses, right? Now, right. setting aside the fact that there isn't anyone else who could be prosecuted for these offenses, right? <laughs> yeah. Like you have to you that has to be folded into your evaluation here, right? But yeah. given that fact, if someone else had done this who was not Donald Trump, if this was a Democrat, for example, is there any chance in hell that Alvin Bragg indicts on falsifying these business documents? And I think it's pretty clear that the answer is no. This is what Chris Christie was saying on – obviously, he's a partisan, but he can't stand Trump. But he was on the ABC this week suggesting that there's no way in hell that this happens if if this is anybody besides Donald Trump. Jeb Bush famously uh, run over by the Trump steamroller in, in right. 2015, 2016 came – so so – People who are committed anti-Trump Republicans have been saying that there's no way this happens to anybody but Trump. Is that? Do you think that that's true? Do you think that's a valid criticism and does it matter? I, I think that is true. But then if you asked me before this happened, I would have said that no one would have been brought up on these charges, right? Like including Trump. Like uh, it's, it's unusual that this was brought up. And especially the way – you know, I always thought, you know, people say – you know, no one's above the law, blah, blah, blah. That's nonsense. Even though I do think presidents are above some laws, but let's set that aside. The people who say, you know, president's above the law, the people who are bringing on charges, I do think should, because of the unusual nature, there's only been like 45 of these people, right? And most of them are dead. There's not that many presidents, right? Living or uh, current, you know, current or former presidents. So if you were to bring a case, it's got to be a, to use a, uh, uh, language from the basketball world, uh, a, a slam dunk case, right? You need to have slam dunk cases. And even if it was something ticky tacky, like this comes across, like the, this money stuff seems kind of ticky tacky. I thought, oh, at the very least, they will have the goods and this will be a black and white thing. You know, like there are some other cases that are more important, but harder to prove. And I thought this is like a low level thing, but like, they got him. Dead to rights. There's no way out of it. And so when I'm hearing untested legal theory and it's pretty weak and they're trying to do this. I forget like, where I read it. I might not even be able to track it down. But I read something that said that if they can prove that he was trying to keep this from messing up his election chances, that's fine. If then his defense can say, oh, and but also he was worried about it embarrassing him on a personal level with regard to his uh, marriage and, yeah. and screwing up his marriage, if it's both things— then the, then the fact that it also had a material benefit to his election doesn't right. matter. That right. all he has, that in this case, all he has to prove is that, and I don't know if that's true or not. I don't know how precisely the, the law works. And I don't know how reliable this I thing mean, that I was. I, I always thought whenever you have to prove like what their intent was, I always thought those were bad laws because it's like it's kind of like hard to prove, right? I mean, if somebody did offer an alternative explanation, that's sows doubt as to what you're claiming. Like you can't exclude that as one of the possibilities as for my motivation, right? To say so nothing of the, of the of the fact that the, the Access Hollywood tape, uh, grab him by the pussy, right. had no material impact so, on his ability to get elected. To say and, nothing yeah, of the fact yeah. that his long history of alleged sexual assaults and sexual harassment and sexual impropriety generally had no impact on his ability to right. get elected as the president of the United States, right? So that right. that actually matters. That that does matter. Uh, actually, that was kind of uh, what, what I was going to get to. Like when, when they're saying this wouldn't have happened to anybody other than Trump. Like I can't think of uh, an action 
that somebody needed to do less than him because he's so impervious to any sort of like flack. Like if the story just, you know, came out, right? If there wasn't like a catch and kill kind of thing with the Inquirer and if the Stormy Daniels story expose comes out, he would weather it just like he does everything else, right? So like there's no one who needs to like, oh, I am like running this airtight, like pure campaign and I can't have some stripper or porn star undermining that, right? Like it would have just been absorbed into what people already think of Trump, right? So, like, he actually had no need. Now, if he then says, like, if his lawyers argue that, saying, like, look, come on, what are you talking about? There was no political angle there. It's just coincidence. And uh, more to the point, he was having a thing with his spouse, right? That is the more, you know, glaring issue that there was some sort of thing. Like, I think she was pregnant at the time or whatever. Right? So, like, that was the primary focus. And so this legal nonsense where somebody signed something, it's because of that and not for this other reason, and if they make a compelling enough case of that, the case is over, right? Like, he would skate. And this would look like a, I mean, it looks kind of shaky as it is, but it would be a total disaster if you didn't even get a conviction of these, like, trumped up, so to speak, charges. There's no way they're getting a conviction here. I'm sorry, there's there's absolutely no way that there's going to be a jury of 12 people who insist that this, this convoluted legal theory that he broke federal election law and that therefore he must be convicted for felonies in New York after his lawyers are going to say the federal justice department of the United States elected not to prosecute him on these charges because they didn't think that they now they, and then they can mischaracterize Merrick Garland's understanding of the situation all they want, right? Because they can, because right. Merrick Garland took no action. The saving grace, the, the, the saving grace, I think, because like right now this, uh, indictment can't stand alone if the focus is on this indictment then alvin bragg i think the whole thing is the wheels are going to come undone if this causes the others or you know independently of this case if other indictments are brought against trump that are stronger and all the other cases seem at least on the surface stronger uh then People kind of forget this. I think like in the history, like it's like, a, you know, this is the date and this is when it happened for the first time. But if it happened multiple times against the same person, it'll kind of be taken as a whole. And if any one of those things sticks, the story will be indicted and convicted. But if this stands alone and he gets off, then what a disaster. Right. And if you think that this is anything but – I mean I know and I said earlier that this was humiliating for him and it obviously doesn't feel good and this is not something that he wanted to happen. But today the Trump campaign sends out – and by the way, they, they raised $4 million in the first couple of hours after the indictment drops, after news of it comes out. They raise a big pile of money right on that immediately and today the campaign sends out fundraising emails with fake – Mugshots of Donald <laughs> Trump. There was not a mugshot taken of him today. A great, was, great choice by that court. I mean, to do still photography only and no mugshot, just to take any circus-related things out of the out of the picture. Right. But by the way, there's no and, and this idea that somehow he got special treatment because he wasn't going to get a mugshot or something along those lines. That's not true. When you come in of, on your own and you are not processed through any prison because you're going to be released on your own recognizance, apparently the in the New York system you don't get a mugshot taken. They might take your picture as they transport you around the courthouse because you are technically over you are technically under arrest at that point. Right. You're in uh, in the custody of the district attorney's office and therefore were under arrest. For some of these white-collar criminals, they might take their picture, but it's not technically a mugshot. The only time you get your mugshot taken is when you are 
processed through a, a prison situation and you have to like bail out and all of that. And that is not the case for this. And it was not to have been expected. And for some reason, people were treating it like he's getting special treatment and that's why he's not getting the mugshot. That's not true. There was yeah. no mugshot, but that didn't stop the campaign from sending out an email with a fake Trump mugshot as a means of raising money. So this idea that this is going to hurt him with anyone who doesn't, who isn't already in his pile and that and and if anything is going to close ranks uh with a broader percentage of the republican base i think it, i think that's obvious i don't right. i don't see any other way of interpreting this other than it completely reinforces whatever your uh prior understanding of the situation was right but this is a further proof uh, of how much of an outlier president he is because to turn what is a bad news story into a Fundraising raising opportunity and to have political... But it's the same thing. I'm sorry. It's just the same thing that we've been dealing with for eight years. But with which him, is that though, that's a, what I'm saying. A demonstrably bad thing happens to Donald right. Trump, right? right? He does something awful or he, he says something awful and everyone's like, holy shit, what the fuck is wrong with this guy? And it is in the holy shitting that we're doing and in, in the focus of all of our collective attention on him that his base raises him up as their tribune, right? It is it he is he is the most perfect victim any time that he gets to be the center of attention. And it's just right. the same shit over and over again for a decade. But it's 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 kind of rallying around somebody to political ruin though right i mean like this is not 2015 in the sense that like he's kind of a known product now as a politician not just as a celebrity but as a politician he's not going to win in a general right he's the one candidate who has such like people have such very strong opinions about him that you already can do the math from the 2018 midterm 2020 presidential 22 midterms like all those did not go towards him right? right and so like yes he will be a formidable opponent for the uh, the gop primary but like all of the people that are not in his like immediate orbit are going to say what is the point of you winning this if you're going to lose then to old man joe again right there was a big part of the 2022 election cycle was the careful what you wish for democrats aspect of who they were hoping to face in a lot of the congressional races and the governor's races, right? Where the DNC funded through advertisement buys in various markets the less appealing candidate. They would give money to the bomb thrower. They would give money the to— The MAGA, like, heavy person. The person who's like, oh, this election is rigged, blah, blah, blah. Right. So uh, the, the prime example that sticks out in my head is that they ran Peter Meyer— out of Congress by funding his opponent. And who knows uh, if you can point directly at that. I think that a lot of the DNC people would proudly point to a lot of these races and say, yeah, we elevated the MAGA bomb-throwing lunatics in the hopes that uh, more normie Democrats would be able to beat them. And right. it worked out for them. R Largely, right. this was something that I, I found to be both philosophically unpalatable and also in terms of practicality worrisome in terms of what the results might be that even if you only end up electing one of these lunatics to congress and, and that right. you have success in five other races or something along those lines that just having that one additional absolute lunatic in congress is worse than having a couple of sort of centrist republicans who are wishier and washier on trump than you want them to be 
Right, but, but I, I suspect that that's not the lesson that they took away those who participated in this uh, from the 2022 midterms, right? Their impression is like this, the gambit worked, and in the future we need to goose up crazy types so that we have a better chance of retaking the House, right? I right, suspect and it's that a, that's it's a gambit that, that Hillary Clinton was excited about in 2016. She wanted to face Donald Trump because right. she was certain that she could beat Donald Trump, and then right. it turns out that 50,000 votes across three states or whatever the number ends up being ends up costing her the election. Right. And like I, I agree with you. I don't think that Donald Trump is a nationally viable figure any longer. I cannot really see a path, as you used to say in the, for the 2020, no path to victory for <laughs> Donald Trump. The problem is that it was still in the low tens of thousands of votes across a fairly minimal number yes. of states. Very thin, razor-thin margins. Very razor-thin. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know how much of a hold over the election process the committed partisans in these various states have. If you go to Arizona, does it matter what the final outcome is? If right. we have now a Republican Party in charge of certifying results, that's just completely fucking insane. Right. right. I mean, and maybe that's a crazy thing to worry about, uh, but maybe it's not because the, the things that they've been saying out loud are that if we are elected into these offices, then there's no way that Donald Trump would lose again moving forward. Those are just right. the things that they say out loud. Right. So, I mean, I don't I don't know. I assume that that conventional wisdom will hold again and that Donald Trump is functionally unelectable at the national level. Is it possible that what Alvin Bragg is doing here is doing some weird four-dimensional chess or what have you <laughs> and 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 helping along the cause of further elevating Donald Trump while marginalizing potential challengers, right? Because this has not been a good couple of weeks for challengers to Donald Trump. Yes. If anything, what the indictment and, and subsequent arrest and arraignment have done is forced all of his challengers basically to have his back. It's, it forced Ron DeSantis to come out and say, I wouldn't even uh, support an extradition of Donald Trump from Florida up to New York. It's like, well, first of all, yeah. What are you talking that's, about? That's not, that's not a thing. It's it's not up to you. What do you, this has nothing to do with you. And also, do you think that Donald Trump would be like, "Oh, yes. Thank you, Ron De Sanctimonious, yes. for uh, being so brave." It's like, "No, of course not. He would sooner go turn himself in in right. Manhattan than allow you to serve as his protector." It doesn't make any goddamn sense. But is it possible that this indictment and uh, along with perhaps the more serious ones that are are likely to follow is some version of what the DNC did in the 2022 midterms, uh, an attempt to elevate Trump, to isolate him as the only contender on the Republican side so that whoever the Democrat ends up being, because of course uh, Joe Biden has not yet officially announced that he is running again, uh, whether that's Kamala or, or some other successor, is it possible there's some plan happening here to make sure that Trump is the GOP nominee in 24. You know, I, I uh, was uh, going around the uh, conspiracy theory circles uh, recently to see if anyone's kind of gathered that much. Like, this is a ruse to try to keep Trump uh, in the news so that the GOP is, they have to, you know, just they have to reflexively defend him and support him, knowing that it will be to their 
future defeat, right? And so, like, I haven't seen that yet in the uh, in the wild, but maybe you know you can probably write something up and post it anonymously. But <laughs> it has the same effect, right? I mean, like, anytime there is any like attempt to you know charge Trump or do anything to him, it it has a galvanizing uh, effect on everybody and. And to the point that you're making about, like, it's bad news uh, for the challengers of Trump, like, he is the center of gravity. They must realize that, right? Like, he is – everything kind of rotates around him, even uh, DeSantis or everyone else. Like, I do wonder, like, I'm sure DeSantis is going to look at the – how things are around the fall, winter, and before uh, the Iowa caucus uh, next year – uh, see where things stand. But if it looks like the same as today, like Trump's got like a 20, 30 point lead against the next place person, why not just sit it, just sit this cycle out and run in 28? If yeah, nothing there's no changes, way, there's no way right? that if you're DeSantis and you have experienced months of diminishment in the, in the polls and you have not been able to distinguish yourself as somebody who stands outside of this current Trump news cycle and instead has fallen in line and and in an obsequious sort of way, basically. I mean, at first, his first reaction to the whole Stormy Daniels thing was uh, perhaps a semi-clever way of dealing with it, which is like, well, you know, I don't really know how you're supposed to pay off porn stars properly. That's not really, that's not the sort of thing I ever have to deal with. So I don't know much about that. Uh, But that transitions into a full-throated defense of this as uh, political acts by the Democrats and the the evil DNC and evil Soros-funded blah, blah, blah. Right. Right. And now you're basically in Trump's camp and there's not really any extricating yourself from that. And I don't know how you distinguish yourself from him moving forward after this. And yeah, why would you bother running for president if if you have zero chance of beating him in a primary? Right. And all of the I don't even know, like if the GOP, they're doing debates among themselves. I know they were talking about not doing the general election debates, but I don't know if they're not doing the primary debates. But like. Imagine a you know six seven people uh, in one of these debates, and the focus is all about like what do you think of Trump getting indicted? Like that's an opportunity to attack. No one will take it, right? Other than like I guess Asa Hutchinson or whatever. Uh, oh yes, Chris but, Christie or Asa Hutchinson yeah. will probably say something that makes them stand out from the crowd. But does it? Of course, it doesn't fucking matter. Right, and but everybody else will just be hemming and hawing about how wrong what's happening to trump so like no one will because all of the issues will be about that and not about something else right like i don't even know so like what is going to be your distinguishing feature right if they're all the reporters every time you interact with people they're going to talk about what do you think what they're doing to trump you know and you can't say well the first indictment was bullshit but the second one looks pretty rough for him like you can't say that also how do you how do you stand up there and say look I don't bang porn stars while my wife is home with a child, so they're not going to come after me. I don't call up secretaries of state in Pennsylvania and Georgia and Arizona and demand that they come up with votes, so they're not going to come after me. The problem is that... People love that about Trump, right? right? right. Like, they, they love that he's fight. So, like, who is the audience that you're actually appealing to? And it becomes this thing where you're appealing to some— So if 40% of the Republicans are completely unmovable, and right. then you—as as, as committed Trump diehards, and then you throw in something like another 20 or 25% who happily line up behind him 
anytime he can present himself as the victim of a mainstream media right. or the or the rest of the deep state or the or the Democrats or and the rhinos and all of that. Then now you're talking about maybe a quarter of all Republicans who would vote in a primary right. who are still available to you. And now you're chopping that 25 percent up among the seven or eight people on the stage there. And you have to capture 100 percent of them to yeah. stay in the race moving forward. Like, it's just not going to happen. I don't I don't. I, like it, it, what makes me insane about it is that the Republicans had every opportunity to be done with him after January sixth, twenty twenty one. Like it could, they could have that could have been the end if they had acted appropriately, and they chose not to. And that's what I always come back to when it comes to any of this stuff is that it was possible to bury him after that, and ultimately they chose not to because they couldn't imagine a future where what had happened on January sixth was not the end of all all political aspirations for anyone moving forward. They lacked the imagination to realize that Donald Trump was going to turn even that to his advantage as he has done. And it and it and it's a fucking shame because now what we're going to deal with is he's absolutely going like I I see no path to him not being the nominee for president for the Republicans in 24 barring his death right and I, isn't like, that crazy though to say like basically both sides are pretty much locked in and, and unless something unusual happens it's going to be the a, a redo of 2020 right there's no right. serious person challenging Biden on the left Williamson I guess but like that's it and then Trump is going to play this card to, uh, you said you said serious person challenging yeah. Biden on the left. Yeah. So. <laughs> yes, the only person challenging him so far. But yes, like the like right. I mean, other and if things kind of stay as they are, I mean, I, right. And, and the thing on the Trump side, like he, he's more volatile. I mean, with Biden, it's all about like if the wheels fall off, like health wise, over the next eighteen months, right? But other than that, he's fine. But Trump, like all of the crazy stuff, is already kind of priced into the cost, right? Like. What more information would come out that you would think differently about Trump? Like all of these stories about him doing things with porn stars and walking into like underage like teen pageants, like that didn't do anything, right? The access. And he's never really won an election, right? He wins in 2016 by virtue. uh, He loses by the the four million popular votes. He wins by virtue of the goofy electoral college. Right. In in 2018, he loses. A bunch of seats in 2020. He can't even get the state of Georgia to right. come out and and vote for uh, senators after he loses the national election. Right. So he's he's lost. And then in 2022, again, despite Biden being a wildly unpopular president uh, in terms of his uh, approval rating, and all the indicators, all the inflation, all of these bad things, just out right. in the Trump continues to be an anchor around the neck of any. Uh, Republican national hopeful with the exception like J.D. Vance, right? Like J.D. Vance wins in Ohio, but like that's no great surprise. Ultimately, it's not like Trump was the ultimate decider there after the nominating process was over. So like the Republicans are stuck with him because they chose not to uh, unshackle themselves from him after January 6th of 2021. And it's and it means that we're stuck with him as the center of political life for at least the next uh, year and a half or whatever it is until November of 24. Right. And I I, I don't know. I, I don't know what else to say about it except so that— So you're locked in that this case is going to fall apart. So you give it no chance of a conviction? You think this is a—it's going to fall we apart? We have to— 
apparently they're not even going to move on this for like eight months, right? Like yeah, they don't. They, they, yeah, they're haggling over like either January of twenty four or like at sometime in the spring of twenty four. That's like in the heart of. So that's why the story is going to remain an issue, and that's going to be what people are going to be talking about. Yeah, it it. It might as well be like an in-kind contribution to the Trump 2024. It is. That's what drives me crazy (laughs) is that what this is is the crime that they're trying to convict him of. If Alvin Bragg doesn't cut a check to the Trump to to, like and doesn't make the FEC aware of the campaign contribution that he's doing for Donald Trump, then Alvin Bragg himself should be brought up on the same charges that he's that he's uh, associating Donald Trump with. Right. And and not to uh, overuse the uh, what it, the juice isn't worth the squeeze. Like just uh, on the whole, just from uh, afar, the effort to bring a former president from Florida to New York and the barricades and how many it must have been an all all hands on deck situation with the police, all of that effort for some cockamamie. St- crime that's hard to prove it just seems we like take, we take fraudulent <laughs> business documents very seriously here in manhattan are you out of your goddamn mind you've yeah. chosen not to prosecute a number of low-level felonies like like street crimes and violence and and like actual crimes like there's there's just an open air weed market in new york constantly and it's completely illegal by by yeah. the entire state. It's still completely illegal the way that they sell weed on the streets of New York now, and it, nobody fucking cares. They right. don't they don't bother enforcing the law whatsoever. But you want to say that because he was cutting checks to Michael Cohen, who was then turning around and cutting checks to porn stars, that this is the thing that we need to get Donald Trump on? You're out of your goddamn mind, and you're just I, doing his work for him. I, I'm glad that there are uh, confident people out there because I I would not have the confidence to bring that case forward. <laughs> Like he he's not sweating bullets or anything. He's not concerned that he's gonna look like a fool. Good no, him. because they're gonna make him the governor of New York in two years, right? Because like oh, he, this guy's he, the heir apparent. This, this he's guy? the. He, He's the guy who who arrested Donald Trump. People love this shit. We were at we had a lovely uh, dinner at at Lori's mother's house this past week for uh, uh, Passover. We did. She the... was dressed oh. up like a Republican for Passover. <laughs> Lori <laughs> thinks that because her mother was wearing a red T-shirt with uh, it's a red T-shirt. It had an American flag on with it. With Under oh, Armour insignia, and some of the Under Armour stuff sometimes has like sort of patriotic yeah. uh, sort the of sleeve had a flag on it yeah there was a flag on it and there's some stars around Bright the under armor logo lori thinks blue sun, her blue blue glasses yeah part of it does it 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 does read vaguely republican which is stupid <laughs> that sorry the american flag she now dressed up as a republican for passover in it's the fine. in the same way that saying the democratic party yeah. reads as liberal to people because of how dumb the world is wearing an american flag on your shoulder lapel reads as republican sadly anyway lovely dinner that we had uh, very tasty thanks mom yep delicious and uh, and you know the usual Passover weirdness. Uh, not weird. It's not weird. No, it's definitely not. It's not weird. Definitely not weird. To it's not weird. Whatever it is. Paint lamb's it's blood over. It's beautiful. We also watched uh, the Ten Commandments. I guess we'll Bob talk about I that did. at the end of the. We watched some of it. At the end of the night here. Anyway, for normie Democrats, which Lori's mother, if she's anything, she's a bit of a normie Democrat. Yeah. In a, a, a sort of boomerish, normy sort of way, uh, she thinks so this, that's not mean, Mom. He's not being not mean. being mean. It's just what you are. She thinks this is great. She thinks 
this is fucking Donald Trump finally getting what's coming to him. This Her is husband a- does not agree. He 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 doesn't. Sure, it's just but nothing. I think that a lot of moderately well-informed, politically aware individuals who have a long-standing distrust and disdain for the former president are perfectly happy with all of this and believe that he's finally getting what's coming to him. And you need look no further than uh, my mother-in-law or or half of Twitter. Uh, suggesting that actually what's going on here is great and good, and finally somebody is holding Donald Trump to account. And I just I can't get past the fact that this is not that. This is this is just helping him. Uh, and it even if it was a uh, more convincing charge, even if there was something more here than it seems like there is, still the wall to wall attention that he's getting out of this only serves to benefit him, right? Right. Allowing him to be the focus of the entire fucking culture only serves to benefit him. And I don't see any way around that. The only way, if once the Republicans decided they weren't going to cut ties with him a couple of years ago when they had the opportunity, the only other option is just to ignore him. Like, which was allegedly the lesson that we were supposed to learn from all of the free media that they presented him with in 2015 and 2016. But they have not learned that lesson. And it's just uh, a lengthy and boring parade of cars from helicopter shots and uh, the, the front doors of buildings and nothing happening. And then Trump walks out and Tapper's like, oh, that's I think that's the president. Yep, yep. <laughs> I, I recognize the president when I see him as like his profile walks across the screen for a second and a half and he gets into a black SUV. Like, what are we doing here? Oh, We've done yeah. this before. Why are we doing it again? What the are we sy- accomplishing? The system worked. Uh so took 45 presidencies before this happened, uh, over under three and a half presidencies before somebody else gets indicted. You think it's going to happen relatively soon over some random thing? Right. So it, it becomes a question of who's in charge, right? And is there any question whatsoever if Donald Trump is the next president that Hunter Biden is being – I mean it sounds silly, but like this is the sort of thing that you have to worry about now, but, which but is if, it, if something so minor as – like camp, we're talking about campaign finance law for fuck's sake. It doesn't matter, right? They're right. fake made-up laws about yeah. how we fund elections. <laughs> like, like seriously, it, is, it doesn't yeah. fucking matter. Yeah. Like it's, it's – what are we doing? Yeah. And if that's, the, if that's the sort of thing that like if you held previous presidents Bush was a fucking war criminal, according to half that this country. That's actually right? uh, hard to prove, apparently. You can't prove right. it. Right. The Clintons weren't fucking criminals? Are you out of your goddamn mind? You don't think that they were criminals along this same line in terms of hiding uh, well, various— I think the Whitewater thing, they were trying to get him on that. Some weird, like, kickback scheme. But yeah, I think the, the only—do you think that this plays a role? That Trump, even though, like, he's big on the uh, on the right, like, he's, like— Come on, New York guy. Like he's like from a very blue place. He, his whole life is blue. He interacts with a bunch of blue people with Hollywood and all that stuff. But like for some reason, his little scheme works better with the right. But like he did something in a blue city, even though he's supposed to be like a red guy. Like most other people, like if you're a Democrat, you're likely going to be hanging around very friendly places, right? So maybe no charge. There won't be a political angle to bring about charges. Like unless they catch you like in Wyoming. Who do you think Donald Trump's next attorney general is going to be? Is it going to be someone with the relative principled backbone of Bill Barr, as shaky as that really was, ultimately, right? Like, he won't be sending us his best, right? Like, we got 
We got his best from 2017 to 2021. That was the absolute cream of the crop in terms of people who are going to ever work for Donald Trump again. Right. The future people in a future Trump administration are not going to be so circumspect in terms of their own morals, in terms of their own principles. They're just going to be Trump yes people. Right. But it's implausible I, I, that he become president again. It is implausible that he can be the president again. But is it implausible that, that Ron DeSantis could be the president in 2028? And the, no. the way that we talk yeah. about DeSantis in terms of him being – and that's the other thing is like, well, whatever. We don't have to get into the way that the media covers DeSantis because that's not the story of the, the news this week. But The story of the news. Yeah. Well, this was fun. So we seem to be in agreement. What is the counterargument? What is the virtue in doing this? Is it just, well, nobody's above the law? But like, I, I can't even fucking, I can't even like, I can't even take that in because clearly presidents are above the law in very many important ways, right? We've just, we, we've come to accept that. It, it, would it be preferable if they were not, if the law truly treated everyone equally? But that's the thing. If everyone was treated equally under the law, then he would be the 15th straight president indicted for various crimes these are not these are people who commit crimes of the sort that we're talking about here right. so like i don't know what we're talking about everybody commits uh, there's that old thing about three felonies a day like if you want to get somebody you can get somebody on anything basically and it is the choice of going after him that to me uh, is is just not a good idea, and, right. and I'm happy to be convinced otherwise. But it doesn't sound like you want to do that convincing either. No, because I am in, in in agreement. Although I do think, like I said, the saving grace will be a second indictment, and then this story nobody cares about the the particulars. But if it's just this story, it's going to look bad. Because you know what I like? Maybe it's just me. I like my crimes to be like easy to explain, like murder or like rape or like kidnapping you know like very to the point like what are you in charge for and like if you had to sum up in one word you probably couldn't whatever this is right it's just like using election funds to pay a porn star through your lawyer for hush money so like those kind of things when you have to use a lot of words to explain what happened i think leave those things alone leave him alone right get the bigger things but again, this would be a moot point if they get a second indictment. He needs one of these other people to bring about charges. Yeah, so there's possibility of charges coming out of D.C., I believe, where there's a lot of movement this week on various Trump people going and having to testify there. There's, of course, the Georgia case. That grand jury was impaneled and is no longer impaneled, right? This is now just entirely in the DA's office down right. there. right. Not clear uh, what the movement on that is going to be in terms of that was a that's a straightforward election interference thing where he is trying to get Raffensperger and Brian Kemp to find eleven thousand votes. Right. And yeah, I guess if there is some wiggle room with what do they mean by find? Like he can come up with some concocted explanation. Right. And that's the thing. Like here's now we have Mark Meadows with the opportunity to come forward and say, yeah, he was like basically telling me to steal the election for him. Right. Like that's all we have to do. If we could just get Mark Meadows to come out and say the obvious true right. thing, uh, then, then we would be uh, pretty well set here. But yeah. of course, Mark Meadows isn't going to do that. Uh, what else do we want to talk about tonight besides the Trump stuff? Uh, movies. We can get to that shortly. Uh, we can talk about baseball very briefly. Uh, yeah, baseball. The Braves got the season started. They're winning a bunch of games already. As far as I know, they're already winning again tonight. I've seen one of these calls, this this goofy new rule about how 
if you're not like because they have the pitch clock right and if there's anybody on base then the pitcher has 20 seconds to deliver the pitch uh we've gone over this in the past if the bases are empty then he has 15 seconds to deliver the pitch but uh as part of this rule, it's not just on the pitcher to be ready to deliver the pitch. The batter also has to be ready to receive the pitch. And the batter signals that he's ready to receive the pitch by being in the batter's box with his eyes towards the pitcher right. with at least eight seconds left on the pitch clock. And if the batter is not in the batter's box with his eyes towards the pitcher at eight seconds, then a automatic strike is called on that individual. And I find that to be the single most absurd rule right. in sports, this side of the fumble out of the back of the end zone that yeah. results in a touchback for the other team yeah. going the other way. Yeah. Like there, there are bad rules in sports. That's <laughs> too one steep of them. A cost. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's absolutely too steep a cost. This makes zero sense that they're assessing. It's, it's just an absurdity. It has nothing to do with the game of baseball, right. and they could just do away with it and keep the pitch clock, and all would be fine. Right, because I think we, we did talk about this because one suggestion was to just, once it gets past that eight seconds, like it is incumbent on you Tag to him. do something about it, right? So the pitcher can throw it as you're like doing whatever the fuck you're doing outside of the box. Like that's on you. Like if you want to assume that risk by not being ready, the pitcher is willing and able to throw the strike without your ability to, to react to it, right? And so, like, you don't right. even need to do the automatic whatever. Just let the game develop. Right. And though I don't care for that particular aspect of the rule, this this goofy eight seconds auto strike thing, and I think if I had to guess, that's going to go away. Like, that's just, they got to find some other way to do it. I do like the rule in general. I have a, I have no problem with it. I sort of anticipated when I first heard about it, I thought, I'm not going to like this. This is bullshit. This is not baseball. I've decided that it's fine. Uh, it is It is still baseball, and it's all good. I wrote about it at the blog last week. I didn't blog much this week. I'm going to take a mulligan. I'm not going to say that this breaks my streak. That's all bullshit. <laughs> I, got, I got various... I got spring break happening now. We've been he to the base. He has a thing to do is the problem. We've he been has baseball, so he has a thing to do. Baseball practicing <laughs> two to three hours a day, like basically every day for the last week. It's a lot of baseball. Two to three hours a day, all of those Look, after 5 Look, I had to drive out to Stanton and build a goddamn... Saying, I had to paint a chicken coop I'm, yesterday. I'm just I gotta drive letting out to Stanton the listeners on Thursday know what your schedule is like. And build a chicken coop. We're, we got a lot of chicken coop and baseball-related stuff going on, along with some personal news that we're not going to discuss on the show. Uh, that, that it's just it's taken over life, and it's made blogging difficult. So I, I took the week off, basically. But we'll get back to it soon enough. But I did blog about baseball because I read a piece, Jason Stark's season preview, talking about all of the new rules and a lot of other things to look for this season. And I'll make sure there's a link in the show notes to that, of course. But Max Scherzer was talking about the clock. And Scherzer sort of suggested that because the clock is working, we don't actually need the clock. Right. Right. This is sort of his line of thinking is like, and Scherzer's a, a, a guy, he enjoys sort of the gamesmanship of the whole thing. So like he likes that there's a clock now and he can fuck with the batter's heads in terms of when he's going to deliver it. And he'll vary uh, at what point during the pitch clock he delivers the pitch. And he's a, he's the, he's got different colored eyes. He can keep people off balance. He's a fucking weirdo. It's fine. It's good. Uh, but he's also said this thing, which I found sort of amusing. He said, 
The clock should only be on if players intentionally play too slow. You need a play clock in football because the sport's timed. We don't have a game with that design. This clock is not about time. This is just about pace. And for the most part, we've all adjusted our routines to match the pace. So why bring the ball strike implication into it if we're all playing at pace? So this is like when we're playing a game that has an optional timer and you're taking too fucking long. So I pull out the timer and I start the timer because you're taking too long. Everybody else is doing just fine. It's like that. He's suggesting that. Right. It's sort of like... It's like he knows you. (laughs) Yeah. What he's saying, uh, or what he seems to be missing uh, in my analysis of the situation is uh, he's discovered the problem of just living in a society yeah. Yeah. and and having any rules at all. Like, yeah, we all generally agree that things ought to be a certain way. And it would be better if we all just adhered to those social norms. But uh, looking around, a lot of people have decided not to adhere right. to social norms, and therefore we end up with laws. And if uh, there was no criminality in the human condition... Uh, no antisocial behavior, No, nobody who decided that they were going to take advantage of the fact that there are no consequences to any of their actions, right. aside from uh, some raised eyebrows and the, and the sort of stink of shame of being cast out occasionally from time to time, then maybe we wouldn't need laws. Uh, but sadly, in fact, we do. Right. And as I said... Uh, in Scherzer's ideal, the vast majority of players understand that the league wants to emphasize an increased pace of play and do as told. Social pressure and the threat of the umpire turning the clock on would be enough to keep things moving at the league's preferred pace. But the problem with a rule that is only enforced according to the subjective judgment of a designated official is obvious. It leaves clear room for bias, unconscious or otherwise, to play a determinative role in outcomes. One might argue that so does the strike zone or any other judgment call, but umpires are carefully analyzed for the ability to call a consistent zone, and they're getting better every Every year, thanks to the increased scrutiny of that, that technology brings. But stick something as subjective as how much time to grant a person to prepare themselves to see the next pitch or deliver it in the hands of fallible, irritable men, that's begging for trouble. And I can see the headlines already. Can hear the voices on NPR in my head. Study shows umpires disproportionately call subjective time violations on minority, especially dark-skinned players. <laughs> Statistic reveals that black and brown pitchers twice as likely to get penalized for failing to pitch promptly. Group calls on MLB to hire anti-racist consultants and promote more BIPOC umpires. Jackie Robinson may have broken the color barrier in 1947, but structural racism and implicit bias persist in umpires' subjective of understanding of relative time. Yeah, well, robots then. <laughs> also, you know, I I get uh, the the venting like, hey, why does it have to be this way? Like he's kind of almost resentful of the fact that this is needed. Uh, but like, it, it serves no purpose to like use it and then take it away for like good behavior and then bring it back. Like, hey, now you guys are, you know, backsliding. No, you clearly haven't played enough games with Bob, Abe. Okay, <laughs> this Bob is. Does. Yes, most people. Look, sometimes. It's like, oh, you have a few minutes to figure out what your next move is. Sometimes and there's then a... you get to Bob, and it's like, oh, are we still playing? I thought that we quit because it's been forty minutes, and it's been the same situation. Sometimes there's a bingo on your Scrabble tile board, and it just takes a minute for it to properly reveal it itself. Takes, <laughs> if it took a minute, if it took a minute, that'd be fine. It can take. I'm not kidding. Forty minutes. And as I usually do with baseball, I wrapped up this blog, uh, which I will continue to read now, by 
blowing it up into the full society defining thing that it actually is which is max i wish we lived in a world where we didn't need a pitch clock i hope we never see a regular season game decided on a walk-off clock violation but it's going to happen i would prefer it if everyone simply followed the preferred order and promptly played ball at all times would that it were so simple but we have proven that we are incapable of holding each other to account in this way and in many others and now we must submit to the tyranny of the ticking clock we have failed to bear the burden each of us individually incognizant of our responsibility and duty to each other and the greater system and now we suffer under the gaze and consequence of an objective inhuman authority baseball is life i'll let that speak for itself i don't have to draw any more lines there is there uh, an argument in my baseball post against what I'm saying with regards to Trump, which is that there are rules, we have built this system, and everyone needs to follow the system, and ultimately we have appointed authorities in charge to enforce those rules and to make sure that the rules are followed. Why then am I so insistent that Donald Trump be allowed to skate on this thing that he did that was probably, uh, by the letter of the law, illegal? Right, because again, it's the whole the the juice isn't worth the squeeze kind of thing. Basically, based on all the information, like it's, it it doesn't rise to the level of a, a charge that you would bring. It, it's not serious enough to bring charges. And you know, this is a breaking of norms. This has never happened before, right? So, like for a case, like for a moment that big, like historically, the case should meet that moment, right? Like it should be something worthy of it. Almost kind of like why people. Uh, had all these conspiracy theories about JFK, it's because, like, it can't be that. Like, just some schmuck shot him from some depository, and that was it. There's no, like, bigger thing. It can't be that, so it's, like, all these other reasons, right? But it, it that was it. That was the story. That's how it ended. Uh, and so, like, this story is just like, wait, that's it? Like, there's got to be more to it. And that's why I think uh, the releasing of the leaking of the, that it was going to be about a, you know, 20, 30 count, whatever, and it was going to be on Tuesday. The, the releasing of that information, people thought that can't be it because it didn't match the moment. And so they assumed there's some additional information. And that's why this Alvin Bragg is doing this. And then when they revealed that, no, nope, it was just the basic stuff everybody knew. It was nope. like he's been falsifying business documents. Right, and we take that very here. seriously yeah. here <laughs> in Manhattan. Right. So it just—it's one of those things where it just like it doesn't match. It's—it's it's the the charge and and the situation don't match. Abe, hey, are you uh, familiar with Air Tags? Yeah, yeah, these uh, little things that uh, Apple sells that you can. Right. So Apple sells this little fucking futuristic tracking device, uh, which you can, in the good version of the world, you take your Apple Air Tag and you stick it on your iPhone. Or maybe you stick it to your MacBook, and then you can find it uh, wherever that right. wherever that device is. You just go on to some other Apple device, and you say, find my AirTag, and then it tells you where your MacBook is. So that the fucking dirtbag, or maybe just the barista who accidentally swiped up uh, a MacBook that looked like their MacBook, but was actually not their MacBook. They, you can then uh, contact that person and make the trade, right? Yeah. You, you just... You, yeah, exchange because you made a mistake. Pitch. Yeah, that's the pitch for this product. Uh, I watch a lot of uh, local news uh, now that I work mostly from home. Uh, it's great. Uh, and they do a lot of these stories where like uh, a person was flying and they put an air tag in their luggage and the luggage went missing. And what do you know? The luggage is last location at one of the employees 
at that air airport, uh, like in baggage. So like somebody from baggage takes their stuff home and they're arrested at their home. Like there are all could these. Could I also like put it on my husband's phone to keep track of him? I suppose you could do that. Yes. I mean, there's also these uh, scary like uh, local stories where they're more likely. It's the husband who's sticking it on the wife's. I mean, not to not to get into stereotypes here. No, the wives here, communicate but. their whereabouts. The husbands are the ones that don't say no, what no, they're you're doing. You're not understanding the level of uh, suspicion that is going on here. Not not just to like, oh, did Bob stop at Wegmans on the way home from baseball practice and just not tell me, but instead uh, is Bob banging? Uh, no, no, the wives don't do that. The wives are smarter. Right. What I'm saying is that people use it in very stalkerish ways yeah. that are that are not yeah, good. Yeah, but the wives are smarter. They know right. what they're doing. And and, and uh, on at least two occasions, uh, local news here in Atlanta did a story for the negative reasons of using this. Like one story that I remember was that at a gas station, uh, unsuspecting people, they had somebody put their air tags like somewhere in their vehicle and they followed them home for like a robbery or some other nefarious reason uh and so they're like oh consumer alert like this could happen to you and apple had to respond by saying oh th- that's likely not to happen you know it'll be fine <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> or you slip the air tag you're, you're meeting a girl for drinks and things aren't going well but you slip the air tag into her bag or yeah. something along those lines yeah there are and a lot of fucking yeah. Like, I mean, there are any number of ways to be a total fucking creep in the right. world. How big is it? What's it look like? It's like a little quarter-sized yeah. thing. Like, it's, if, it's nothing. Yeah, it's probably between a I quarter and a nickel. I want to give one to everyone I know because I would love to know where everyone is all the time. Yeah, that's not okay. It's not a good way to be in the world is to know where everyone is it all of the time. It would be so nice. I bring it up because a, uh, this is a quote from mysanantonio.com. A San Antonio man is not expected to face charges after his car was stolen and a confrontation with the suspected thief ended in fatal gunfire on Wednesday, March 29th, police said. The man's vehicle was stolen from his Northside home on Wednesday afternoon, police said, but by using an Apple AirTag, he was able to track his truck down to a shopping center on the southeast side in the 3200 block of Southeast Military Drive. SAPD spokesperson Nick Solis said the man called police to report his vehicle is stolen, but did not wait for police to arrive before attempting to confront the suspected car thief around 4 p.m. Police said the man saw his truck in the parking lot, walked up to the stolen vehicle in an attempt to confront the person inside and some sort of disagreement ensued. (laughs) Solis said he could not confirm if the man and the suspected thief argued, but said the car theft victim told police he believed the suspected thief pulled out a gun, which prompted a firefight. Police said that at this time they believe the car thief victim is the only person to have fired shots and could not confirm if there was more than one weapon found at the crime scene. The suspected thief, another man, was shot and pronounced dead. His identity has not been released. The car theft victim reportedly stayed at the scene of the shooting, complied with police, and was taken into custody for questioning. The shooter is not expected to face charges, but noted an investigation is ongoing. So that's what you can do with your Apple AirTag, is that if your truck gets stolen, you can track it down and shoot the guy who stole your truck in the head and then not get charged with it. Now, uh, I suspect uh, the person who was in possession of the vehicle uh, at the time of this uh, interaction, uh, they presented a weapon or they, uh, they... Not clear. That's what the shooter insisted, that he saw a weapon. Okay. 
So he saw a weapon or imagined one, and he shot back or just shot, and he's okay. He's in the clear. You would think that uh, the common advice is to sick the cops on the thief. Like, hey, uh, officer, I got this little gimmick. Apple comes up with a little tracking thing, and uh, it's with my no, car. The police are agents of the state. Why would you trust them? Right, but like he could have like gotten killed. I mean, the other guy could have been, you know, like quicker on the draw. Uh, and got him. Texas's laws state that a person can use deadly force against another person in cases of, quote, unlawful interference, end quote, with their property. So, you mess with my shit, right. I am allowed to use deadly force against you, and no, I don't have to wait for the police. Now, it would be curious if uh, it turns out that the gentleman who he confronted in his car was not the thief right that's, that he only that's the problem right? assumed that it was the thief rather than the car having been like passed along in some way to an unsuspecting third party and then you would hope that maybe there would be some charges brought here but right. it doesn't appear that charges are even possible in this case in yeah. the state of texas yeah because like how, how can you prove that i mean it's kind of like you know uh, one of the arguments I, I i heard you know where they say like you can't sit your home like as a booby trap, you know, like for like criminals, because like you can hurt somebody who's not a criminal in theory. Like you can't make your home like like a spear will come out of somewhere. Like if you get past the first door, I can't make my house like the house in Home Alone. Apparently not. Maybe it's because of Home Alone that they changed the law, but like apparently you you can't do that. Uh, and that, the, the thinking is that like what if you know, I don't know that we can say this is a free country if I can't <laughs> Home Alone my house. Well, you're trying to deter this behavior, you know. Sometimes you gotta do that thing, but like, I, I, I am surprised that they didn't even look into it. So this is a recent thing, so it's a settled matter that they're not like investigating. They're like, we're gonna leave this be. No, it's just state police in Texas. Local local authorities have domain here, and there will not be any charges brought. Seems bad. I don't know. Yeah. It, it's a light hour bogus future but sort of. But you know, it's you know the 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 technology facilitated something. Like if if you just saw in passing, just happenstance your stolen vehicle, the same situation could have happened, right? It's like- also, also, if this person who stole had known that it was being tracked, he probably wouldn't have stolen right. it. Yeah, yeah. So Surveillance they- is always good. You will never get me to change my mind about that. Yeah, so far so yeah. good, right? I mean, these uh, horror stories haven't come to fruition. If he had with known, he wouldn't have taken it. <laughs> I disagree. I think people have a general expectation that when you steal a car, you're gonna get caught. I don't think that. I, I think are even than that. even car What's thieves. What's that thing where if people think they're being watched, they behave better? Oh yeah, some sort of th- theory, right? That's some sort of like, like. Very sure. true there's the, thing. There's like uh, a bunch of studies there that suggest yeah. that even fake cameras will lead to people yeah. behaving better. Yeah. Uh, it's just not clear to me that that's any sort of society that you actually want to live in. It's is the exact when one you I want to live in. You and everyone precise... else are constantly the center of the panopticon. It seems unpleasant for all involved. Let's do a quick Strassman here. Okay, real quick. I, I want to talk about other stuff. Last night's NCAA Men's Basketball Championship featured some special guests with the right stuff. They are the four astronauts who were just named to fly on the first mission around the moon in more than half a century. The crew of Artemis II includes the first woman, the first black astronaut assigned to a lunar mission. Our Mark Strassman spoke to the astronauts and joins us now from Houston. Mark, good morning. 
Hey, Nate, good morning to you. Starting this June, this uh, mock-up capsule behind me is going to be part of this new crew's training for the next 18 months. And when they fly, they're going to join a very select group. Only two dozen people have ever seen such a close-up view of the moon. Ladies and gentlemen, your Artemis II crew. NASA has its own Final Four. This astronaut crew leading a new lunar mission. Their selection, realizing a lifelong dream, puts them over the moon. We've spent our entire lives looking up at the moon. And now we're going to stop it right there. That is Mark Strassman, <laughs> CBS News's senior national news correspondent. Abe, did he get off a good one? How, how can you cut it off right there? This is a very engaging story. I was watching. No, it's uh, the end. That's it? That's all you get? <laughs> No, he did not get it. Oh, sorry, Mark. Try again next time. No, he did um, not. Fucking worthless Strassman. Pathetic. My friend Julia went to Ottawa in the springtime of last year and also does work with space. So I am crediting her with this mission. Oh, nice. Because a Canadian is on the mission? Exactly, yep. precisely. The math checks yeah. out. So I have one friend who made Narcan available and another who got a joint American-Canadian mission to the moon nice. greenlit. And my friends are very influential. Very powerful people. So, so, so this next thing is just to do a fly around the moon and then there's going to be yet another one? Were they a moon drive-by, yes. They're going to do a moon drive-by. I don't know if they'll be shooting any projectiles at the moon as they go by or dropping anything off, but that's what they'll be doing. I, uh, I want to make this clear. I 100% believe the, uh, the the story with the moon landing, right? 100%. In, in agreement, the but... thing happened. But, man, this is ridiculous. Like, it's been 50 years, <laughs> and it's still a Herculean effort to get to the moon. Shouldn't it be it's, that much easier? No, it's very far. But... Nothing is uh, on par technologically compared to like 1969. How were we able to do it then? Like it doesn't. I mean, again, 100 no, percent in agreement. Everything's the but, same. Boy, we just have iPhones. I now. think it's a risk reward calculation. Ultimately, I think that's the only explanation, right? Which is that there, there was tremendous risk to actual human life every time that we sent astronauts to the moon back when we did it in the 60s and early 70s, right? R right. And that. That risk now uh, maintains. Like even though technology has gotten much better, and presumably we, we would just be have Wi-Fi now better at this than we were back then. Uh, the risk to human life is is still quite high, and the reward, uh, given that there is no such thing as a space race really anymore. Like I guess the Chinese are trying to do some right. stuff, and uh, presumably I guess we should be worried about that. But. I have a friend who would have a lot she can't tell us about that. Sure, but like the downside is uh, dead astronauts, and the upside is uh, being on the moon, which still doesn't, live astronauts <laughs> doesn't appear to be that big of a deal ultimately. <laughs> like in terms of setting the stage for future and further human space exploration, obviously very important, and I'm very excited about it. But in terms of uh, accomplishing anything of of true value. Uh, it doesn't seem to be terribly important. Right. So yeah. no, I think I it's just a risk-reward calculation. Does representation matter, Abe? And <laughs> we've come to accept... It so does. I don't want to hear you talk about this. It makes me so mad. We've come to accept that representation matters. And I think that in this case, 
We have a nice lady. We have a nice black fella. We don't know that any of these people are nice. Uh, I mean, they're certainly presented in that way, and I will give them the benefit of the doubt. They certainly have risen to the very tip top of their profession. I hope uh, they're smart. Presumably smart by and, and physically fit. Yeah, by virtue of their various sets of skills and also ability to play NASA politics. I'm sure that played some role mm-hmm. along the way. But and also a very nice uh, seeming Canadian as well. Does representation matter here? And uh, I, I will even grant you of course it does, Bob. What are you talking about? We're sending motherfuckers to space. They are representatives of the human species going out into uh, our, our, our neighborhood here around the moon and, and further out into space than we've ever sent humans before. It seems like this, this mission is likely to go. Of course it matters that there's a black guy and a lady and, uh, and a Canadian on there in terms of making people back on Earth feel like they can accomplish anything as well. Uh, so fine. I'll answer my own question. <laughs> Don't be an asshole. Of course, representation matters here in that in this case, right? In this one, right? This is the uh, exception. Send- You're going to carve out an right. exception. Sending humans <laughs> off of the planet to do spectacular exploration, the likes of which has never been done before. Yes, I think representation matters in almost every other case. Uh, it doesn't matter at all. What that's, about that's the, my hot this take here. thinking, which is uh, what the the way I see it? It's like I always ask myself, like, does it have to matter to me for it to matter, right? Like, so somebody is getting something out of these things, right? And good for them, like, because what if I, if I was younger, I wouldn't be like, wow, like this astronaut is black, like, but somebody out there, maybe I don't know, like or woman or whatever, Canadian. It's uh, just, all it does is it speaks to the failure of us to treat people as they okay, ought to be treated. Okay, but that's a failure we have. But is it? So it's it's not clear to me that it actually is necessarily, right? Okay, because well then we for, have, how we, about for hundreds of years we have black women do everything all the time. Only ever black women. Because that would be very bad for humanity. Like What? It would be spectacularly bad for humanity to have only... Six percent of the population, because that that's not how populations okay, work. Okay, but that's You're not how going it's to get been. The best it's been people. white men this whole time. It's not true. Like I agree that there's been a lot of power disproportionately in the hands of white men, but that's because of the the accumulation of resources, right? Like they they have been disproportionately better educated right. than most yeah. other people. They have been uh, disproportionately right, brought into the professional also class. By force. They've been disproportionately right. made more capable right. of doing the yeah. things that they're supposed to do. So right. for the next couple hundred years, have the most capable black women do everything. And make all the decisions. Right, but this is like Joe Biden saying, "I'm going to like the." It's like it's like people getting mad when some when Joe Biden says the next Supreme Court justice is going to be a black woman, and somebody says, "Well, then, like almost certainly, it will not be the single most qualified individual uh, who will be elevated to that position moving forward." Right? By definition, it is unlikely, just just by uh, the numbers, that that once you have eliminated. 94% of the applicant pool that you're going to get the single most qualified person. That's fine. It's a series of trade-offs where you're saying it is, in fact, more important that uh, representation matters in this case than it does uh, than it is necessary, that because, the, because there's sort of a ceiling 
on qualification in this particular thing that that it is sort of arbitrary to decide who is or is not slightly higher than the next person something along those lines right. i'm sympathetic to that argument but also it must be said if you eliminate 94 sure. of the applicant pool you're not going to get the best person but off the bat the reason that it would be insane to just say okay the only people who get to do stuff for the next hundred years are black women is because that's stupid that's not right that's not how it should be. That would be weird. Right. It should be a balance. There should be different kinds of different colors of people and genders. Absolutely. I agree. So it matters. The end. I disagree. Because it, representation, whenever I hear representation matters, it's usually when I'm hearing an interview with somebody at NPR who's saying that seeing a, X individual do X thing in 1985 proved that it was possible for me to do the thing. But they're making a political statement about the fact that they are where they are and to deny them their place in the society now would be to be denying some other future person the ability to okay, see... but just because someone's stupid on NPR doesn't mean that something doesn't matter. Right, but that's what I'm saying, is that the, the thing that we've been assured, uh, this truism, representation matters, I think is a symptom of a diseased and broken society that is obsessed with identity in a way that only reinforces the problems that it's claiming to fix. And, and in fact, if you just have equal access to, uh, you, you just allow writers, like uh, you always hear about this in terms of like writers rooms, that we need to have writers rooms that represent America or something like that. We need to have right. publishing houses that, that publish a diverse series of authors because representation matters. And this is something that I've wrestled with in terms of a theory of aesthetics almost for a very long time. Oh, this is a whole different episode. Can you wait? No, I want to get it out now. Uh, and I think that I've tried to do this before. You've said it a million fucking times. It's so boring. I disagree. I think it's semi-interesting. Uh, and, and I know it's very easy to dismiss this as a white guy thing, right? Like, oh, of course, Bob can say <laughs> so this. It's so easy to do that. Bob's a white guy. But... <laughs> Now you're both laughing at me. It's fine. <laughs> it's just that there's this the idea that a little black kid needs to see a little black needs to see a black author uh, get published in order to believe that he could be a writer moving forward is I, I don't think is actually in keeping with reality, right? Because if that were the case, then we would not have like if white supremacy has been this dominant force for as long as it's been, right? Then at no point. Could we have allowed these people to become representative of anything for other people moving so forward? So it's like having a pitch clock only when someone's taking too long. I don't see the connection. Like, it's fine because they got where they are. So it, so it was fine before. Because a few people, most people were fine. All I'm saying is that I don't think that it is important that... Uh, little Guatemalan kid sees that Guatemalan people can succeed in certain ways if what you have is an open society that encourages uh, achievement and allows for uh, achievement at all levels by all people. And I, that's sort of all Aren't I'm you here, right? kind of... Be Do we have that? Right. Aren't you kind of making that argument of that crazy picture from earlier where it's like, yeah, it'd be nice if that's how things were, but we're not there and, and here we are, right? Isn't that kind of a similar thing where like it would be nice if... Somebody didn't need to draw that connection, like the shallow connection, like, oh, you look like me and, and you're doing this thing. That's great. And now I'm going to 
model myself after you. Like you shouldn't have to think of the world in that way, but there's people who do. I think I think that giving people the permission structure to believe that representation matters only reinforces negative stereotypes because it allows you to believe that when you do not see yourself represented that your interests are therefore being somehow squashed but like that that that's that's what i'm saying this insistence that there is a truism that representation matters allows for a permit it, it gives everyone permission to then be victimized when they do not see the representation happening it 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 creates a series of conditions that allows a person to believe that the reason that they didn't get the their book picked up by the publishing house is because it's a bunch of white women working there rather than there being a black person there who would have picked up their work uh, because representation matters well let me ask you a question maybe this will make a will make a difference on your end, but maybe it is, you're making a slightly different argument. Are you saying that representation doesn't matter or representation shouldn't matter? Right? Because if you're saying it should matter, then that's fine. But like, how can you say that it doesn't matter if there's, you're, you're hearing people who are now of age, of college age, and they're talking to things I didn't know somebody could be president in black or I didn't know this woman thing could do a woman thing or whatever. Like, I don't know. But like, there are actual people who are saying these things, right? That say that this did matter, right? So like, I can't dispute that. I'm saying that I don't think that most people walk around thinking about the fact, and I I don't know, I suppose, and I can be accused of simply not knowing. I don't think most people walk around thinking of all the ways that society tells them that they can't do things. I think the people who think that turn out to be fucking psychotics like Michael Jordan. And he's like, oh, you told me I couldn't uh, (laughs) do a thing? Now I'm going to fucking murder your whole family (laughs) in order to prove that I could do the thing, right? Like those are... Right, but there's been... uh documentaries and like st- snippets of, of news stories uh, and this is not just one it's just over the years where like 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 people in, in, in like crappy like high schools like in the city or whatever they, they their impressions of like what they can be is kind of limited in scope it's just like well no one this my- is all what I'm saying is that's all narrative backfilling but they're experiencing the narrative that's right? all- you're in that environment right so you're consuming this impression of what you can do and so if that's limited if that limitation is somehow broken by these cockamamie schemes then hey eh, what are you gonna do this is uh this is a positive development right all i'm saying is that this notion of representation mattering is fucking bogus right. and I, I and it and it creates the conditions by which it justifies itself like it's, it's also it's, it's, did they did they uh lean into that or is this one of those things like it's proof positive that they selected some sort of minority candidates oh the only way they got in is because of some sort of scam that they're running like i mean it, did they come on and say like we picked a, some canadian for the canadians and the, some, some black person for the blacks and the, some woman for the women like did they come canadians out canadians also aren't like a minority class What's that's that? Not, right, that yeah. was that, that was sort of my joke, uh, talking about the Canadian. But yeah, I don't. They they've leaned into this. Like, try to imagine NASA putting together a crew of just four white males, right, to go do the I moon mean, mission. I've, right? You can it's, imagine it easily. That's how it's always been. <laughs> like, except that time it exploded. Can you imagine in 2022 or 2023? No, no, not, not whatever anymore. Yeah, year it is? because I mean, not to have no, you know, it's more qualified, inconceivable. You know, have qualified people and just pick from the pool of right. And I'm not saying people. I'm not saying that these people don't deserve to be in the position that they're in. I'm just saying that the idea 
and again, uh, this one thing aside, because to me, like, yeah, some black kid in the hood who sees the black astronaut probably is like, holy shit. Yeah. Like, wait, you telling me you can go to the fucking moon? Yeah. I, like, I legitimately did not realize that. Like, like, to me, okay, in this case, maybe representation matters. Right. But as a general societal truism, in the same way that we insist that uh, diversity makes things better, and but, but when we say what we really mean by diversity is that... Uh, the the correct arrangement of different skin tones is pleasing to our uh, collective understanding of what America is, rather than uh, rather than any true diversity in terms of maybe what a person thinks or or who a person is on the inside, uh, and rather rather it's all just this uh, sort of surface level diversity stuff. Right. Like that that these sorts of things that we just accept as as absolute truths in our culture, I think, should be pushed back oh, on from time to time. Counterpoint. Baseball, you know, here the uh, black population, you know, American black, not foreign black, uh, is pretty low. And so maybe like all of the popular black athletes that people want to see themselves as are football players and basketball players. And that's why they're not playing baseball. Maybe – Maybe they're right about right, this. Right, but so there were twice as many black players a generation ago in Major League Baseball, right? Because right? before so then, you know, there was like this effort to did come in. Did representation matter or not? It did, like, because uh, the, 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 those were the residues of past efforts. And then the, it got worse and worse, and look at where we are. It's a kind of a self-fulfilling thing. You need to infuse more American black baseball players. what I'm saying, players. is that it's an entirely self-fulfilling thing. Right, that was but my argument. You have to deal with a moment, right? I mean, <laughs> you have to react. You can't pretend you're not. Mookie Betts rules at baseball. He's a black fella. Does oh representation God, matter? I don't know. That. What do you mean? Don't say black fella. He's a. That's that's not acceptable. Then? <laughs> not, Jesus Christ. not when you say it. <laughs> You've been listening. He's a black male fella. Is that even worse? You've been listening to Cast Iron Brains, a podcast with Bob and Abe. Find the show on Facebook or Twitter. Head over to brainiron.com, castironbrains.com. Where I will not be blogging about Donald goddamn Trump. Find something else. Ooh, good luck. To yell about. The opening and closing themes of the show were composed by Mark Gillig. T E T R A M E R music.com. Tetramer music.com. Abe, did you make it to the movies this week? I did. I, I went to go see this uh, stupid Dungeons and Dragons movie, the, the card oh. thing, and it was fine. Although I will say uh, there were some nerd type people that were uh, at the screening that I was watching and they were applauding at the beginning and the end of the movie. You don't see that often. They were really happy with that movie. It was a good movie. day you for know, them. Do you they know don't why? have much. Because representation matters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Actually, that was like from like central casting, like all the characters, like, okay, we got the, yes. the British guy, then we got like a black uh, uh, whatever guy, then we get a woman here, we get the nerd. That, like it was kind of perfectly... I didn't even realize this existed until like a month ago when I first saw the the first trailers for it. I don't I don't remember what I was watching, but trailers were on TV. At first, I thought it was not real, and then I realized right. oh, this is, this is, they're actually making one of these movies. Was it because from the trailer that I saw, it treats it with a little bit of derision, like the whole thing? Yeah, like it, it, it actually the whole thing is sort of a joke, right? It actually kind of worked, like. It, I thought this was going to be like those movies that they were going to release and dump, like it was going to lose a bunch of money. But then like it was well-reviewed. People were like, this is actually kind of fun uh, for like a – they don't take themselves seriously. It's kind of like – and then the movie goes by pretty fast. Uh, right. And so I was surprised by that. Like I didn't expect that. So this is a this is like a B? This is better than all of the Marvel schlock and the, yeah, it's and better the DC than, like, stuff? Yeah, the Ant-Mans or whatever. I will say though, uh, this upcoming week, uh, you know, there's the uh, – 
your boy Matt Damon and Ben Affleck's uh, Air. Uh, apparently, that's a good movie, even though the trailers uh, are don't look like they're good, uh, like it's going to be a good movie. But setting that aside, a se- the second movie I'm going to go watch this, uh, uh, this week is going to be the Super Mario Brothers, which apparently— We're going to see that, too. We're, we have tickets on Sunday to go see that with the kids. The yeah. early reviews are, are uh, so-so, but that's not the thing. Do you think that in one of the like end credit scenes, they should settle this once and for all— and reveal that Yoshi is a horse? Like, do you think they're going to get to that? Like, they should, like, work that in at the very they end. They won't. Uh, yeah, not, By the way, I have not seen think. him at all in any of the previews. I don't know if he's not, he in, not in the final cut. Yeah, I, don't, I can't remember there. seeing sure Yoshi. And, uh, Yoshi's, there's no way they're going to make a Super Mario point. Brothers movie without a Yoshi. What is Yoshi? I mean, no one knows. It's like a whole fucking he's a species. Dinosaur. He's a fucking dinosaur, Abe. God damn it. Not a horse. He's, he's hatched from an egg. Uh, he's I don't a dinosaur. That. He looks like a dinosaur because he is one. A horse. <laughs> We're going to see that on Sunday with the kids. Okay. Did you see anything else? Is that, uh, it? that That was it. Yeah, light movie week. All right. We watched on on after our Passover feast, we came home and ABC was playing Ten Commandments the on second half of the Ten Commandments, regular anyway. broadcast TV. I have not that seen movie, that. Uh, How was it? Doesn't it's ho- bad. Doesn't really hold up. Not a great movie. Didn't it win like a uh, Academy Award? You know Awards? who's terrible? Women. Women are terrible. Oh, yeah. Turns out the whole thing was women's fault. Yeah, it's largely, largely the the shitty queen of Egypt's fault. Not definitely not any of the men involved. <laughs> definitely not at fault. I, I guess like by the standards of its day, it had some impressive special effects, okay. and it was this big historical epic deal. But yeah, it appears to be mad at like the, Women. the the only person has only just now occurred to me. The only Jew who looks like a Jew is the Jew who sucks in the movie. Oh, uh, like, like, because otherwise it's like Charlton Heston, uh, not very Jewish looking. Okay, uh, all of the. Uh, Wives and women that m- matter to Moses. They could all be Jewish. They don't look terribly Jewish. <laughs> the representation matters now, Bob. <laughs> yeah, right. But the it's colorblind casting is what that was. The, <laughs> the guy who gets kicked out of Egypt, uh, he's uh, some sort of governor type, and has to go with the Jews, and is angry at Moses and is trying what to is convince. That guy's name? He's in a bunch of stuff. He was trying to convince all of the other Jews to turn on Moses and make him in charge. That guy looks sort of Jewish. Okay. Uh, so it's funny that they blame the Jew-looking guy and the women are the heart of all of the conflict in this. Edward G. Robinson. He's in so much. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, it's it's not that good. Uh, you don't have to watch it. Oh, well. Anybody out there? Not that not that you were lining up to do so. What else did we watch? We watched uh, Succession, but what did we do on Friday? Did we watch some trash on Netflix? Did we? We did. We watched that uh, the U porn oh, thing, the Pornhub uh, well, Netflix documentary, yeah. which is just uh, on the depressing side oh. of the porn documentary. If if there's a titillating, depressing balance yeah. to pornography documentaries, this is the this leans on the depressive oh, side. Fun, 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 and not particularly revealing. If you've read any of the coverage, like the Nicholas Kristoff coverage around the, uh, I had not the Pornhub stuff, then you won't have learned anything. And what you ultimately learn is that a lot of the activism around trying to get like revenge porn and, uh, child sexual imagery taken off the internet ends up, uh, redounding, unfortunately on the pornographers themselves on the low level, uh, individual content creators, 
surprising no one that the large mammoth corporation just continues to rake in money and that the, the people who ultimately pay the price of these sorts of crusades to get pornography off the internet uh, ends up being uh, your work-a-day porn star. I also learned that, what was this place? Pornhub? I learned that apparently everybody knew about Pornhub. You never heard of Pornhub? It's not that I'd never heard of it, but like I'd kind of never heard of it. They were acting like it's Snickers or oh, it is you the, know it HBO. Is the, it is the Snickers of but, pornography. Yeah. But I, it's it's it was acting like it was fucking McDonald's. Right. Sure, but they have inserted themselves into the cultural conversation sure. at every turn but for it, the last decade plus. But to hear that, it's like sitting here and everyone talking about McDonald's, and it's like. Okay, I mean, you're saying it a lot, so now I've heard of right. it, but, like, I don't think I've ever seen a McDonald's. It, it was a weird wow. feeling for me. Yeah. Because I'm, like, on the internet. I don't know. It was weird. I think she doth protest too much <laughs> over here. <laughs> I will do no such protesting. Well, uh, you have all the porn. Whatever. <laughs> I do not. Pornhub, uh, Describe that baseball player for me, Bob. Oh, yeah. Lori wants me to describe a St. Louis Cardinal who I described yesterday. This is an individual named Tyler O'Neill. And I sent a text to my buddy, Naveed. It brings me no pleasure to report that Tyler O'Neill looks like an enormous man-sized erect penis running around outside on a baseball field. Uh, which is it's just exactly what – and then I followed it up with, he's not ripped. He's turgid. Because this is an this is an individual who looks like he's just bursting at attention when he's standing out there after getting a hit. And, and like, then Bob had to rewind, and be like, "Look at this." Yeah, because Lori's like, this. Lori's giving me like the oh, I you just like, you just think he's a big old cock because no, you no, like no, big no, old no. cocks. What I and, was giving and him I was, like, was no, the, this, this okay. guy legitimately looks like a big yeah. erect penis. So out he wanted there. to make sure that he saw again, and I also saw the man-sized erect penis running around. <laughs> and he and is. mostly, he's just kind of hairless. He has no hair, and he's got a very, like, he, he clearly uh, focuses on arm and shoulder day okay. more than Baseball anything else. Player. So he sort of looks like, like the reason that he's an erect penis is because he's almost wobbly. Like, you can kind of see where, like, uh, his stems are in the ground, but they, he might kind of bend. But anyway, because, Bob watches a lot of porn. That's not what I, that's, no, I just have... <laughs> he, look i don't see a lot of ripped dudes and think oh man erect penises it's just that this one sure. guy in particular looks like an actual like just a massive hard-on running around out there uh, it's no getting around it and i i dare you to look upon tyler o'neill and think anything different moving forward uh, we also watched succession Episode two of season four. They got to pick up it the pace. Was, too much lollygagging. It was fine. Uh, perfectly enjoyable in terms of the everything that I like about the show, which is the the clever dialogue and Roman being funny and wow, this guy uh, is everything yoked. else. Boy, right, go on. Right, he is. He's a big erect <laughs> dude, and it's not like 
it, there's something about the way that he's ripped that especially when you see him running around out there, he doesn't look like your typical muscle. He looks like somebody's squeezing him and all of the, all of the, like he's bursting. Like anyway, very, Bob watches a lot of porn. Not, it's not, look, you don't have to interact with a lot of porn to understand what an erection looks like. All right, Lori? You don't? I, I know that surprises you. Uh, he, he's one of these uh, born shirtless guys. Oh, I'm sure he is, yeah. Anyway, uh, Succession, episode two, totally fine, right? Nothing further to report? No. I'm telling you, they need to move it along. I know this is the last season, but come on. More action. There's too much. Let's make a deal and somebody stab somebody. That's the whole show. Yeah. But just more. It's just taking too long. These writers love these characters and they love doing things to these characters. And like, that's all fine and good. But again, this is a plot. This is a this is a BBC show that could have been done in like twelve episodes over there, and you'd be finished and done with it. Right. Instead of uh, getting four goddamn years and forty episodes or whatever we're gonna end up with here by the end. You uh, you got anything else for us tonight, Abe? Nope. Well, I guess that's all we've got for tonight. Then we will talk to you next time. Later. Uh, new show. I've only seen like an episode or two on Netflix. It's like uh, Well Mania or something. Like there's this, v- yeah. There's like this aggressively so silly. Ob- silly, obnoxious right? like main character. Like she kind of reminds me of, like Kenny Park, but there's something off about her. Uh, but so far it's 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 okay. I'll I'll report on on that show next week. It's my birthday on Monday, so oh, we're doing look at what that. I want this weekend. This is that April stretch. Isn't Chris's birthday around mm-hmm. this time, too? Emily is tomorrow. That's right. Yes. Emily's birthday is uh, and then Chris, tomorrow. Uh, Chris fucking sucks, so it doesn't really matter when his birthday is. <laughs> but yeah, there's like a, a lot of birthdays. Andrew this. is the 17th. Yeah. Wow, look at that. It's quite a stretch. What are you going to be, uh, Lori? Are you like 39 or something? I'm like 39 or something. Yeah. She'll be 40. Oh, the big four. Oh. I like the way he said it. Yeah. Uh, did you yes. see this thing about the IRS trying to buy up one of those uh, internet data suckers? No. They didn't. I guess they didn't. IRS wants to buy internet mass monitoring tool. U.S. military and FBI have previously bought access to NetFlow data from a company called Team Simru. Now the IRS wants to buy products from the company, too. Oh. Was this like an Infowars or something, or like a legit outlet? I saw it at Vice, I think, was where I first saw it. I'm going to go with like 39 or something (laughs) all year. Yeah. Anyway. All right. All right. Good Good night.
crimes to be like easy to explain, like murder or like rape or like kidnapping, you know, like very to the point.